So honor you and love you. I um, got my namesake with me tonight. Pastor uh, Jacob already introduced him. And I want to kind of jump into something that's just like, it's just been where I am lately, just on my heart. Um, so I want to release it tonight. It's this, this scripture found in John 10.10. 10. And I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. And this is what it says. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I want to talk from this subject. I'm not full yet. I'm not full yet. A few years ago, I got introduced to this term in the personal development space called quantum leaps. I wasn't unfamiliar with the term, but I was unfamiliar with this particular usage of it. Quantum leap, the term, is borrowed from quantum physics, and it describes how a particle of matter can literally, explosively shift from one space to the next. And the application of this term in the personal growth space speaks to the reality that all growth does not have to be incremental. That some growth in some areas will be incremental, but all growth in all areas does not have to be incremental. There is some growth that can be exponential. That God is the God that orchestrates quantum leaps. In other words, just because God is doing something big doesn't mean he's got to do it slow. And yes, David says to us that God is the God that orders our steps. And I want you to know that is absolutely true. But God not only is the God that orders our steps, God is also the God that arranges our leaps. The scripture says he makes my feet like hinds feet. And hinds, dear, they don't just step, they leap. And if you've ever had the opportunity to observe, then you'll realize you cover way more ground with leaps than you do with steps. So this means spiritually every year can be a leap year. And I just came to spiritual renewal on the last night to tell you this is your leap year. I'm going to try that one more time. I said, I just came to spiritual renewal to tell those who have the faith to receive it, who have the spiritual audacity to receive it, that this year is your leap year, that this is not just the year where you take steps. This is going to be the year in some areas where you take some leaps. I want to hear the sound of some leapers in this place.
And there are a number of different areas where it's possible to experience quantum leaps. We can experience quantum leaps relationally. We can experience quantum leaps emotionally. Scripture speaks to all of this. Turns my mourning into dancing. Gives me the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I can sow in tears and reap in joy. Right? I can experience quantum leaps financially. We can experience quantum leaps professionally. But on this first month of the year, it's important to set our intention to experience a quantum leap in the most consequential, the most catalytic, the most uh, dynamic area of our life. And that is our spiritual life. My spiritual life is not the only important part of my life, but it is the most important part of my life because it affects every other area that's important. And this is why if we're objective and if we are honest, there is a unique sort of opposition that we experience when we are attempting to improve or to anchor or to upgrade our spiritual life. Whatever terminology you want to use, some of us would use the word spiritual warfare that indicates Satan's intentionality in targeting that particular area because the area he targets the most is the area that brings him the most anxiety. In other words, the area he attacks the most is the area he is most afraid of us getting together. And so this is why being at spiritual renewal is so important because I know some of you are sitting in this space, maybe in the overflow, maybe watching online, and this week hadn't been an easy week. This day hadn't been an easy day. And if you're honest, you experience what you would call some coincidences that made it difficult and made you even consider not participating, but you sent the devil a message that he will not have this day and he won't have this year because I'm getting to the house of God because I need renewal. And if we're going to access quantum leaps. And this is what's amazing about your spiritual life. You can experience endless quantum leaps. Faith to faith, glory to glory. And if we're going to experience quantum leaps in this area, there are, if we're going to access them, there are a few keys, laws, principles we need to understand, embrace, and unleash if we're going to do so. The first one is this law I've affectionately entitled the law of adjustments. And it simply says this, if I am unwilling to adjust, I'll be unable to elevate. That sometimes the elevation and the evolution that we want is on the other side of adjustments we're unwilling to make. This is why the enemy has his way with the inflexible. All throughout scripture, I can take you two examples of biblical characters who almost missed elevation or evolution because they were inflexible. Naaman almost stayed stuck with leprosy because he was inflexible. He goes to the house of the prophet and he wants to be healed, but he is caught up in God's way more than God's will. 
what he wants. He doesn't just want it done. He wants it done a certain way. And he is so offended that it is not happening the way he desires for it to happen. He's literally about to walk away from a miracle that is rightly his. And it took somebody in his life, one of his attendants, to say, Sir, if the prophet had asked you to do a hard thing, you would have done it. Your inflexibility is about to keep you stuck, stagnant, stressed. Because sometimes... The elevation or the evolution that we need is on the other side of an adjustment we're unwilling to make. But I believe this is the year where I'm talking to some people who would say, I want his will more than his way. As a matter of fact, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I believe I'm talking to some people whose testimony would be, Lord, any way you choose to do it, just get it done. Come on. If you got a part of Red Sea, get it done. If you got to knock down a Jericho wall, get it done. If you got to send manna from heaven, get it done. If you got to make quail fall from the sky, get it done. And I came to tell you, you serve a God who can get it done. Did you hear what I just said? He is not limited or reduced to one way. If one way gets blocked, he will find another way. And if another way doesn't exist, he'll make one. It's the law of adjustment. This, this, this second one that I think is important is something called the law of appetite. And it simply says my elevation is determined by my actions, but my actions are a reflection of my appetite. In other words, our actions aren't just a method to, want we, to what we want. They are a mirror of what we want. Our actions may be telling us that we may not want what we say we want, the way we want it. Our actions aren't always an action issue. Our actions can be an appetite issue. Therefore, when God gets ready to elevate an area of my life, he begins by adjusting my appetites. And one of the ways, one of the primary ways God adjusts my appetite is through exposure. Why? Because the principle of exposure says once I've been exposed, I can't be unexposed. Exposure awakens in me an appetite for something I didn't want before because I hadn't been exposed to it before but now that I've got exposed to it I can't go back to where I used to be spiritual renewal is God curating an environment to expose you and I to degrees and dimensions of his presence that he wants to intentionally use to ruin us he wants this week to ruin you and I because it now has adjusted our appetite in a way where we're saying, what well, I got these three days, I need to have the rest of the year. I need his presence in my life. The law of adjustment, the law of appetite, and then there's a law of agitation where God will create a divine dissatisfaction with what you have in order to create a desire for what you need. It is what Run Rider calls a holy discontent. And when a person doesn't understand that something exists like a holy discontent, they will confuse God with greed. 
They will assume because I want more, I'm being greedy. Not realizing and recognizing that sometimes that desire for more has been created by God. God will create a holy discontent, a holy dissatisfaction with what I have so that there's a desire for what I need. He uses a friend called frustration, which is an indication that an adjustment needs to be made. And all of these laws are key and critical to experiencing a quantum leap spiritually because I, because I see all three of these laws at work in this passage here in John chapter number 10. This text is a powerful picture of all three of these laws at work. We get to eavesdrop on a conversation that Jesus is having as he's attempting to orchestrate a spiritual quantum leap with the audience. Listen to what he says. He says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Here's what makes this statement profound to me. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life to people who are alive. They aren't dead. He says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full to people who aren't dead. He's not only talking to people who are alive, he's talking to people who are religious. He's not talking to Gentiles here. He's talking to followers of Yahweh and he says, I've come that you who think you don't need it. I've come to you who think you're fine because you're better than most. He says, I've come that, that you who are doing much better than you've ever done, that you might have a life. So I, I need to do some research, Dr. Scott. I'm like, okay, this doesn't make sense to me. I, I need to know. What, what, like, what's, what's the etymological roots of this word life? Like, what's up with that? And I'm expecting to see something like bio or bios. And I looked it up, and that's not what I saw. So he's not saying I came to give you bio or bios. When I looked it up, I saw a word called zoe, which is the God kind of life. It is life as your creator intended. It is what life is like when God's in charge. Therefore, Jesus didn't just come to seek and save lost lives. Jesus came to seek and save the life that was lost. It's a Zoe life. It's the life he shed his blood for, which was not just a one-way ticket to heaven but it is a transformed and overcoming and evolving and an elevating life here on earth. Come on, that we get to experience because we've got the earnest, the down payment of our heavenly inheritance on the inside of us in the form of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I know you're religious and I know you're alive but are you full? He says, because I didn't just come to give you the life. 
I came to give it to you to a degree where you fool. He said, I didn't die just for you to have it. I died so you can be full. I didn't come just so that you could get it. I came so that you could be full. And so Jesus is asking this audience, and I believe us also metaphorically, no, you're better than most. And I know you're better than you used to be. But if you're not full, you're settling. If you're not full, you are underutilizing what I actually came to give. I know you're moral, but are you full? I know you're married, but are you full? I know you're sinning less, but are you full? I know you feel better than you used to, but are you full? I know you're consistent in your church attendance, but are you full? Because listen to this, please don't read what I'm not writing. Jesus did not say, I came that they might have church. It's not that church is unimportant, but the point of church, the point of life is not church. The point of church is to give us the life that Jesus came to give. So all of those things are important, but they are not ends unto themselves. They are means to an end. And that end is a full life. And if I'm not full, I'm settling. And I'm settling in the worst area. Because I'm settling in an area that's not easily identifiable. See, when you settle relationally, you know it. Come on, come on, come on, right? You know it. I mean, you on a date and they're talking about next time we go out and you're saying to yourself, that next time. No. <laughs> come on, you know, it's like, oh, it's not really what I like, but it's cold outside. Let's. You know when you're selling relationally. You know when you're selling professionally. You know when professionally you're not getting the highest form of compensation, which is fulfillment. And until you get that, you'll always feel poor. You know, but spiritually selling is different because you don't know what you're missing. You can't see what you're missing. You can live your whole life and not know you missed it. Spiritual settling is when a person resigns themselves to a suboptimal lower level of spiritual fulfillment and growth. It is a use of spirituality to anesthetize pain, minimize immorality, but not optimize their life. So I use it because it helps me feel less pain. I use it because it makes me a more moral person. But I'm not using it to optimize my life.
And what Jesus is attempting to do in the text is expose people to another level. He's trying to get them to see. I know the way you've been, watch this, you've been practicing the right faith. But the way you've been practicing it has gotten it as far, has gotten you as far as it can take you. He's saying to this audience, the law has done all it can do. So he's saying there's something else that God wants to give. There's something else that I came and paid the price so that you can receive. And he says, what I want you to have is more than just this religion. I want you to have a full life because that life is what's actually light. It's that life that makes Zacchaeus climb a tree. Not just anesthetizing pain. Because Zacchaeus wasn't in pain. Yeah, that kind of life made that influential, affluent, powerful man who could make a phone call or write a check to solve all of his problems, it made him climb a tree and say, I got to have that. That's what I'm missing. That's what makes people been walking with the Lord a long time. Religious leaders like Nicodemus come to Jesus at night and say, I know you sent from God because no one can do these things except God be with them. I didn't know I was missing something until I got exposed to you. Now teach me a new way to practice an ancient faith because I want to be full. Not just moral, fool. Not just better, fool. And when I look all throughout scripture, I see these metaphors and these analogies that speak to fullness. The apostle Paul talks about in Philippians 4, when he talks about there's a peace that passes all understanding. Did you hear what I just said? It's a peace, watch this, it's a peace that surpasses my comprehension. It means not only are other people confused as to why I'm so peaceful, it means I'm confused as to why I'm so peaceful. It means people are saying, I don't understand how you're not falling apart. And you're looking at people and you're saying, I don't understand how I'm not falling apart either. But it is a peace that passes all understanding. And this is the reason that some of us are saying in the membrane right now, you don't even know how you, aren't, how you aren't falling apart, but God's given you a peace that passes all understanding. Your cup is running over with peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Joy unspeakable, joy inexpressible, joy that my vocabulary cannot articulate. Joy, a sense of jubilation based on a revelation that my welfare and well-being rest securely in the hands of God. 
unspeakable. It speaks of fullness. This kind of life is the light. And if I'm not full, I need to be open for God to show me a new way to practice an ancient faith. Pastor, I'm walking our church through a series now on spiritual temperaments. And it's revolutionizing me. Because one of the things that I see is that we not only have natural personalities, we've got spiritual temperaments. Got me? Okay. And so your spiritual temperament determines your strategy for spiritual disciplines. It, it doesn't change the disciplines. But it changes the way you approach the particular discipline because it has to be aligned with your temperament. Am I making sense? And so some of the reasons people can't practice the spiritual disciplines consistently is because they're trying to follow a strategy that works for someone else who has a different temperament. And many people, watch this, many people have concluded that they're lazy, that they're undisciplined, and they don't want God. When the truth of the matter is, they do want God, but it is impossible to be consistent when you're trying to practice your faith in a way that does not align with your temperament. Come on. So I can take you, come on, I can take you through scripture and, and I can show you, hey, a number, let's take worship. We can go to the Bible and I can show you tons of expressions of worship. All of that is not in the Bible because everybody's supposed to do all of it. All of that's in the Bible so that there's something for everybody. So I can take you where it says, lift your hands. I can show you where it says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I can show you where it says, clap your hands. And then I can show you where it says, the Lord's in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent. I can show you in 2 Samuel 6 where David, who says his temperament is an enthusiast. So he connects with God through celebration. My temperament is more sensate. I need to experience and contemplative. I need to think. My heart gets warmer as my mind gets filled with truths about God's word. I love him with my mind. And it changes my heart. It doesn't mean that the enthusiast loves him more than me. It means that the enthusiast is simply different than me. And if the enthusiast will be the enthusiast, God will receive that worship. And if the contemplative will be contemplative, God will receive that. But if you try to make me an enthusiast, but not stretched, not pulled out of my temperament. So it means I shouldn't try to be an enthusiast. I should try to be a more enthusiastic contemplative. Because if you pull me out of my spiritual temperament, now I'm not worshiping him in truth. Because I am presenting to him a version of me. That's not really me. So like Pastor Jacob is a prayer warrior, I pray. 
I pray a lot. I practice, I'm a contemplator. I practice the daily office. So I'm praying three times a day. I'm by myself. I'm, I'm good. Pastor Jacob will call me. I was up at 5 a.m. in the Holy Ghost praying for you. I was in my bed rolling over at 5 a.m. Me and God talked at 7 and that worked just fine for me. He heard me at 7. I remember when I tried to be that. And it doesn't lead to a full life. Because in order to have the full life, I have to follow my sacred pathway. So I had to not only get free from worldly constraints, I had to get free from religious constraints. Why? Because I can go to the Bible and say there are examples of people like Pastor Jacob who are like Moses and they go to Sinai and they pray 40 days. And then there are examples of people who are like David who put pen to parchment and they write their prayers. People who are doing it verbally, people who are doing it mentally, people who are doing it through song. They're part of the Psalms that are called the Psalms of Ascent. And they would sing these songs as they were uh, getting closer to or ascending uh, to Jerusalem. These are spiritual temperaments. It's the only way to a full life. So my question to you, I'm, I'm, I'm done. My question to you, David, is are you wearing Saul's armor? when it comes to the way you're practicing your faith. I know you're practicing the right faith. My question, my job tonight is to probe you with a question, and that is, I know you're practicing the right faith, but are you practicing the faith in a way that's right for you? Because that is the only way you go from faith to faith. It is the only way you get a full life. So for the first time ever with a sermon, I hope you leave agitated. <laughs> Not a natural agitation, but a spiritual agitation. I hope you leave with a holy discontent for anything less than a full life. What's that? Doing the best you can spiritually with the resources you have available in the season you're in. It's on me because it's so on me. Pastor, it's changed. I've got a mission statement that I, a prayer, like a prayer that I, that I used to pray with my children. 
It's change why I pray over my children. This is what I want for them the most. You should pray for wisdom and wealth. It changed what I pray over them. May they love you deeply. May they pursue you passionately. And may they live generously where they pour their life out for the good of others and the glory of your name. I got tired of reading the scriptures and reading stuff I wasn't experiencing. I would read peace that passes all understanding. I would say, I got some peace. I don't have that. I would read joy unspeakable and full of glory and I'd say, I have these periodic, episodic seasons of joy, but that wouldn't be the dominant emotional disposition, but it's supposed to be according to Galatians 5. It's the fruit of a life that is governed by the spirit. I said, God, I gotta close, I need to close this gap. But only you, Darius, can close it. Don't miss it. Only you can close it. Not the you you think you're supposed to be. But the you. And that leads to a full life. Who models that life? Jesus. It's a life where we're storm resistant. Not storm avoided, but storm resistant. Meaning, I'm in storms, but storms don't get in me. It is a life where I live with a sixth sense. It means that I am guided with that that is beyond the five senses that I get nudges, promptings, words, intuitions, restraint. I have an X factor that says, don't go that way. Don't tell them that. Don't sign that deal. Go now. A full life where I talk to him and he talks to me. A life, full life is a life of supernatural wisdom. And one of the ways wisdom manifests itself is it's in the ability to discern difference. The difference in a moment, the difference in a person. That's wisdom. Say, that's not ordinary. It is an acumen, an ability to solve problems that's beyond my expertise. A full life. A life where I've got sensational relationships. <laughs> where God gives the gift of people to people. My wife was doing something this morning where I just looked at her and I said to myself, a gift from God.
where you look at some of the people in your life and you say, how did I, <laughs> I get you? the full life also it gives strong restraint gives me the ability even if I'm broken emotionally when I'm strong spiritually it helps keep me restrained until I get healed the Lord while I'm in the healing process help keep me safe help keep me away from self-imposed nuisances self-imposed nuisance S-I-N. Lord, give me strong restraint. I want to say what I can't take back. Give me strong restraint. A full life. And a full life finally helps you successfully handle success. Here's what I love about Jesus. This is scripture, Mark 1.35. It says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, said it out loud. Everybody's looking for you. <laughs> Jesus <is> like, so? <laughs> successfully managing success, meaning successfully managing demands. Because the more successful you become, the more everybody's looking for you. So I need a full life so that my identity is not caught up in the pleasure of people. I need a, I need a full life so that I can successfully handle success. I want it. I have to have it. I will settle for nothing less than that. So these three days aren't just about three days. These three days are about a new beginning. Yeah. A new beginning where you don't just discover more about God, but you discover more about the way God has wired you your spiritual temperament and the strategy that you need to employ to deepen your connection with God. It is a rejection of armor that works for Saul but doesn't work for you. Draw me closer. If you're here tonight say Pastor Darius right this not let's not do that see let's be let's let's start let's practice tonight with freedom right 
Let's not feel pressure to respond to something that we don't feel prompted to respond to. But if you're here tonight and you're saying, Pastor Darius, I didn't just hear a message. I heard God speaking to me. I'm not full yet. If that's you, I want to pray with and for you. You don't have to move. But every head bowed, every eye closed. And if that's you, just as a sign of your, of your surrender to whatever level you're comfortable, just lift that hand. Father, we want to be full. And your word says as we lift our hands, we lift our hearts, and so we lift them up to you tonight. You said he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness will be filled, and we believe he who hungers and thirsts for you will be filled. And so we want a full life. So I pray for every lifted hand that you would bless them with the gift of a holy discontentment with anything that is less than your best for their life spiritually. I pray that you give them clarity to discern their spiritual temperament. And I pray that you give them the courage to pursue the path that connects them best with you. Father, we don't look to any path outside the Bible, but we pursue the paths in the Bible that align with the way you've wired us. Give us the courage to reject armor that doesn't work for us. Fill us till our cup runs over. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.